Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. This episode is extra special because I am joined by Raleigh Keenan and Mike Doan, two of our amazing Tegredans. Um, it's rare that we have uh, we bring our Tegredans to the couch, so you're in for a special treat today. Uh, Raleigh Keenan is a born leader and the key growth specialist at Tegrita as our CRO. Raleigh brings 25 years of diverse experience at the likes of LinkedIn, Oracle, Gallup, and the U.S. Olympic volleyball team. Graduating with his MBA in marketing from Northwestern's University Kellogg School of Management, Raleigh has some unique experience in his career, including making over 500,000 cold calls, and he has even spent time in training for high-stakes negotiation protocol for hostage situations. Mike Doan is a management professional with nearly 10 years of experience managing pro projects and improving processes in various industries such as healthcare, technology, manufacturing, construction, pharmaceuticals, and marketing. Mike is a senior client engagement manager at Tegrita and works closely on our email flight management service. Mike grew up on the East Coast of Canada, where he attended Dollhouse University and received an engineering degree and an MBA. Welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. I'm finally here. <laughs> you are. Um, and it's funny, I think every time I read bios, even for people that I know, I learn something new. So it's exciting to have you both here. Um, and we're going to talk about our favorite topic, which is email. Um, but before we jump into that, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So Mike, I'll start with you. What word would you like to banish? Well, I, I think it's topical for the conversation today, and that's email blast. Okay, I know uh, email blast was one that was banished last year and made it pretty far in March Madness. So it is a commonly hated term. Uh, Raleigh, what about you? I hate double click. Where oh, people, yes. people, people like to say, you know, I want to go deeper on that, you know, topic. And they'll say, let's double click on that. I just want to run out of the room. <laughs> That one drives me crazy as well. And as much as I hear it, I am like caught off guard every time someone says it. I'm like, we want to do, yeah. we want to do what? Like, yeah, this is not a web page. This is a conversation. We're gonna <laughs> go deeper, probe. Um, it's, like, it's kind of like when somebody tells you in real life, "LOL." You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can just say the words. Or you could just laugh, actually, out loud. You know, that's kind of what it means. Uh, 
So now that we've gotten that off our chest, we are not going to have any email blasts and we are not going to double click on anything, um, but we may do a little bit of deep dive. Uh, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Anywho. Um, so Raleigh, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about um I mean, email in general, like the email and marketing in general. Um, and uh, we do specifically a structured approach to email called email flight management at Tegreta. So we're going to talk about email and marketing and the benef the hidden sort of secret benefits of it and why and how and everything around it. Awesome. And I will give like the clear notice that even though this podcast is three Tegredans, this is not a sales pitch for anybody who has listened to Revenue Rehab before. You should know we dig into the issues. Um, but given that we live and breathe this every day, this is a common challenge of how people drive growth and revenue from email. Um, so I had to bring in the experts to talk about it. Um in addition to talking about the challenge, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus, it gives us purpose, and most important, it lets our audience know what they should expect from our discussion today. Um, so Mike, I'll, I'll come to you to set our intention. What would you like people to take away from the conversation? Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that email is the anchor point that uh, a lot of companies should base their communications on. Uh, if it's not, it should be. Um, there's a lot of other driving factors like social media um, and real life marketing like billboards and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, email is the anchor point and that's where the majority of focus should be. Awesome. Um, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think the reason that this is such an important topic is because I don't think most companies spend enough time thinking about email, email strategy, how they are communicating. You know, there is so much energy and effort looking at paid media and native ads and content syndication and events and all these things that are meant to garner attention. And no one thinks about the and then what? Um, and I think the analogy that I use is, you know, I love dating analogies. So you think about marriage, they talk about how people spend so much effort preparing for the wedding, but not preparing for the marriage. That's kind of my comparison. It's like people put all their effort into all the things that are going to attract their audience to them. And then it's like the, and then what? Um, and so Raleigh, my first question is for you. You know, given that you have been, you know, you're educated in marketing, but have primarily spent your career more on the sales side, um, what have you seen as the biggest gap when it comes to not focusing on that communication journey and putting email as the anchor point? Well, <clears throat> I mean, it kind of goes to when, when you're asking Mike about intention, I was listening to Mike and I'm thinking about that and, and, you know, your question here around what have I seen? I mean, 
you know, if you look at the journey, if you look at the journey of, you know, maybe you have SDRs or BDRs or somebody getting meetings and you've got, you know, salespeople calling them and then somewhere in there in the CRM, it gets pulled into a campaign because of something that's happened and now they're getting emails. I, I feel like the rapid pace, if you just look sort of my sort of technical, technical, technical career began in 1998. And so if you kind of go there and you kind of follow like the stream here, you know, to ask first to answer a question you didn't ask me intention would be, would everybody just kind of look at how we got here and then decide if email is important or not, instead of just like looking at what's in front, you know, there's a plenty of people that are not as old as me that are only 10 years into their career or something. And so they only see their experiences like this big. And I look back across what I've seen and from way back then till now, and you, you can't do anything without email. At some point there's someone's going to get an email. And if, if you downplay that, you know, you know, your wedding analogy is an interesting one. If you downplay the fact that once the wedding's over, you're going to have to like spend every day together um, and live together and all that. Like that's kind of what's going to happen. You're going to get to the email point. And if you have no good strategy there, maybe they get the wrong email. Maybe they get a bad email. Maybe they, the wrong people get the email. The right people don't. I mean, so I've just seen over time things evolve from very manual you know, even email blasts in the later 2000s, but just a lot of like manual things that turned into, you know, more automatic, you know, marketing automation. Um, and, uh, and then social media kind of like popped in there like, oh, let's switch to that. You know, let's put all our focus there and be creative and it's sort of like abandoned. So the budget's kind of abandoned email and email was like, you know, some executive's nephew that needs a job. And so he's in there like trying to write emails. So like it got pushed, even though everything points to it at some point. And I, I've just seen every, a vast majority and our clients that do EFM have come around and we do great things in that way where we're making that email th you know, machine work, but I've just seen over time, all these organizations just shift like, Hey, there's all this, this is exciting. This demand gen, social media, you know, paid ads, you know, let's, let's shift all our time there. And then, you know, they have no idea that, and we all know, cause we're consumers. They have no idea that when the email finally goes out because I saw their Instagram and then I went to their webpage you know, that their email was so bad and so not targeted at me that it was just embarrassing. So intention, I hope everyone leaves uh, this podcast knowing that you're likely degrading your brand at some level if you don't have any focus on email. Yeah, and I think that's a really great point. And you hit on, I think, what I was alluding to, which is everyone wants to put their attention in whatever is the hot thing at the moment. And you're right, at one point it was social, right now, you know, intent and ABM and, and those sort of things are really important. 
uh, or really hot topics. And so it is this um, almost the, the look at the squirrel kind of syndrome and email is just not sexy. Like it was when it first came out and you could automate, like that was the hot thing. And then very quickly that passed. And because it's no longer a sexy conversation, it's also not getting the effort. Um, but I don't want to get stuck there because I know the big thing that we want to dive into here is the fact that the process behind email is really what unlocks the value. And Mike, that's why we have you here as a senior client engagement manager. You are, you know, one of the process guys um, or people to, to use um, more inclusive terms. <laughs> um and so I want to hear from you because nobody thinks about email and says, yeah, if we got the right process, we're going to nail it. You know, most people think about targeting and strategy and workflows and, and, you know, all of those things and not saying those are not important, but, you know, as we talk about email flight management and as we've seen in our experience as consultants, we know it's the rigor and process behind it that actually is the magic. So I'd like to hear a little bit from you on why is that process so important? Like, why is that where we need to start thinking about this? Yeah, I, I don't think that people really realize how much goes into one single email. So that goes from the design of the email, the copy that's going into the email. And then on, on our end, a lot of what we do is building out the email, running it through multiple tests making sure that everything's accurate and then running through a flight check making sure the segment's correct who who's going to get this email making sure that the the copy is correct all the way through same with design and then monitoring the email after it goes out how are the conversions um how are the how's the segment performing that kind of thing so it's it's a big process just for one single email and then when you extrapolate that through hundreds, hundreds of emails a week, hundreds of emails a month, thousands a year, uh, that can be a really big uh, time suck and drain on uh, internal resources if you don't have, um, and this is a, a, a bit of a plug, if you don't have a consultancy uh, like what we do, where we, we have the, uh, the capacity to handle those thousands of, of emails um, because we have the process in place. Um, awesome. And I know we keep referring to EFM and email flight management, and most people listening uh, don't know what that means. So I'm going to take a second and just uh, summarize the EFM framework. Um, so even though we have defined this as a service, no matter whether you're working with Tegrata or not, this is the process that your emails are going through. And we use the analogy um, comparing it to a commercial flight. So the first phase of that is the flight plan. So that's your email marketing strategy and design. You know, it, it's just like there has to be a clear flight plan. Are we flying straight? Do we need to go higher or lower uh, because of potential turbulence, et cetera? There has to be a really defined role of email in achieving the business objectives. You know, what programs need to exist? How do they support the entire journey, et cetera? That phase two is going to be the intake process, and that's gathering the audience data and list segmentation. 
um, you know, before any commercial flight takes off, the pilot and the crew is going to go through an intake process, collect the passenger manifesto, car cargo data, all these different things to make sure that everything is going to go well. Uh, phase three is that aircraft preparation. We got to make sure the plane is working, and that is building the email program, assets, man and managing the technology. So that one's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, then we have our pre-flight checks, and, and you hear that if you fly commercially, you know, pilot gets on the, the thing and says, you know, prepared for takeoff, ready for all call, you know, the, the flight attendants pick up their little phones and they say something back. Um, that's that QA and testing process. Before we push the button, how do we make sure that once we activate our email programs that they're going to do what we want? Um, that takeoff is the activation, so the actual campaign deployment. And then once your aircraft reaches 10,000 feet, we're at cruising altitude, and we can put it on cruise control. And that's phase six, uh, which is monitoring the ongoing program. And then finally, what goes up must come down. We have the landing, and that's where we get into analysis and optimization. And I think this is definitely the place where a lot of companies skip. Um, you know, they're constantly in do mode uh, and don't have an opportunity to actually analyze and see how things went and how they went or how they should change. Um, so I know that was a mouthful. I tried to go through that really quickly of the seven steps of the flight of an email. Um, and so uh, I'll open this next question up to, to either of you, whoever wants to jump in. Can I add one thing to that real quick? Yeah, you just made me think of something that I don't, Mike, I don't know if you and I have even really like said it out loud, even though I know it's embedded in the things that we talk about with email. But the one thing that struck me as you're telling, walking through the whole thing is the same thing that is stressful about a flight. It's about being on time. Like you're not just on the flight and preparing it and getting ready and it was good. Like you need to leave at 7.05, like at exactly 7.05. And email flight management, when you do the work, you can actually launch your emails at exactly when you want. Because a lot of times, you know, for clients that, you know, have quite a few stakeholders and have quite a few things going on, you can't just send out the store opening on Monday. You can't just send that in two weeks from now. It's opening Monday. Like you have to get it out. And it's the same thing as a flight. The flight can't just sit there for an extra three hours to make sure everything's good. So I just wanted to point that out, that there's a timeliness to EFM that's just, you know, from our experience, when we're doing it, it's all good. And clients that don't want to invest in email uh, quite often just don't do very many emails because they know they'll never get them out on time. They'll just pick what they have to get out and do those. And then they don't do anything else. It's too hard. So I just wanted to point out the timeliness. Element. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that actually, I want to, I want to uh, double click uh, into that. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> uh, you know, Hey, we're going to banish it after this conversation. All right. Um, but no, I do want to dig into that more. And, you know, here we are great at beating an analogy to death. Uh, but I think the other piece of that that probably will resonate a lot more because with or with more companies, because not everyone has the time sensitivity of, you know, a store opening, et cetera. 
But that timing piece is still really critical because if you think about the timing of your emails, your prospect or customer is going through some sort of journey on their own. And so your email, you know, getting to them late or that lead getting to the salesperson late could be the difference between you being a part of the consideration set and you being, you know, coming into an opportunity really late and having an uphill battle to fight. Mm -hmm. um, you sending to the wrong people could mean you're talking to the wrong contacts at the company when they're not actually involved in the journey. Like there are all of these things that do tie to that precision of the commercial airline industry that makes the precision of email marketing that much more important. Because you think about like that buying cycle is happening, whether you're a part of it or not. And so you being able to have those right touch points at the right time, whether it be email or other channels, but having that orchestration happen all together is really critical to actually driving pipeline. So I'm glad you brought up that point on timing because that that is a really key component around like how does this yield exponential growth is getting yourself a part of the consideration set when you need to be. And even on the back end, what a lot of people don't think about is customer marketing. Like especially when you're in technology or something where they need to continue to repurchase, right. they could be considering leaving you and you not be aware of it or you not be able to get ahead of it. And your email programs, when automated correctly, allows you to help with retention, cross-sell, upsell, all of those customer journeys that are consistently happening, that helps to protect the revenue that you've already secured and drive additional. Um, so great, great points there. Um, so... Mike, I'll ask this question of you because I know just from having conversations with other CMOs and, and people are actually, you know, who are driving the communications, the pushback that I hear is, I understand, I get it, I agree, but what you're saying is really hard and I don't have the resources or time or skill set in many cases to make this happen. And so I'd like to hear your response to that um, in terms of how does this not become an overwhelming thing um, given its importance? Yeah, it, it is a lot, um, but it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's like putting the correct process in place and having the, the people with the expertise carry out uh, each step of the way. Um, it, like I said, it, it, it's a lot. Um, you went through six phases of, uh, of a commercial seven. flight and seven <laughs> phases of a commercial flight and how it applies to, uh, to EFM. And yeah, so it is a lot, but, um, if you can get the right people in place and it, whether that's internal or external, um, you put the process in place and, um, like Raleigh said, speed, um, is important and accuracy. I would say both of those speed and accuracy go hand in hand. Um, and that's kind of what we've done. Like we've refined the process enough where, um, like we can scale exponentially the, uh, the, the number of emails that go out and keep them accurate. 
And I want to dig a little deeper into um, what you're talking about. You're talking about an iterative process and, you know, have a little bit of an inside track in seeing this stuff happen in real time uh, for our various clients. But I think one of the things that lends well to this not being an overwhelming process is it isn't something where you're necessarily going to go from zero to well-oiled machine um, all at once. And I know just from some of the clients that you and I have worked on together um, that it has been an iterative process of we're going to start with getting incrementally better. Like how do we do better in phases one and two um, or, you know, wherever the pain is. And so talk to me a little bit about your thought process in how you're working with our team and client teams to, you know, go from wherever they are, because some of them are, you know, a hot mess and some of them have a solid start to being, you know, that precision where you've got the precision and timing of a commercial flight. Yeah, it's um, it's not going to happen all at once. Like we've we've, like you said, have developed a system over a period of of years, of months, of, and we have the expertise to to put that in place. But it comes down to if it's um, speed, um, t trying to uh, limit the excess time on a certain request. So that could be adding in automation. Um, just refining a process to save a couple minutes here and there. Cause if you can save five minutes on one request, if you have a thousand requests in a year, that's there's a thousand minutes that you're, that you're saving. Um, and then there's the other side, which is if, if there's mistakes that are made, learn from them, put a process in place, some documentation, uh, and then that mistake doesn't happen again. So while you don't want any mistakes, like, and we're very limited in the number that we've made. Um, mistakes do happen and you learn from it and they never happen again. And uh, that could be um, saving time. It could be uh, having increased accuracy, but it's just, it's an iteration and you might be saving five minutes here and then think of something else that might save one minute, but all of these tiny things add up to um, a really well refined process a well-oiled machine um yeah and that that really is it and i think that is uh there's an analogy i was trying to think of that is not coming to mind but you know it's like you you start and you just iterate over time so that you can get to that point um Raleigh, a question for you, because you have a lot of the sales conversations around EFM. Um, and one of the things that I hear heads of marketing, you know, debate within their own organizations is when it comes to something like this, is it better in-house versus outsourced? And obviously, you know, this is what we do. So we are a bit biased on, you know, the benefits of outsourcing. But at the same time, um, it is, you know, there are places where outsourcing can be effective. Um, and so I'd like to hear your thoughts on why this kind of process is good for outsourcing versus some other areas of the business. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, and that's, you know, uh, 
so like you're reading my mind because I'm listening to Mike and thinking about your the answer to your question you hadn't asked me yet uh, <laughs> because um, <clears throat> it's and maybe it's just time um, that hasn't gone by enough yet where everyone is well completely comfortable with yeah I can't have like super creative people on my marketing team I'm going to hire an agency like I can't, why, why, why would I think I would get the best situation from like trying to find a creative person to just work on, you know, selling my printer ink? Uh, I let's get an agency and then someone really creative, you know, is going to help, help us do the very best work. And for whatever reason, email hasn't gotten there yet. It's like, Oh, well, email will, like I said, you know, have John's nephew do it, but he sent some emails he's a millennial, you know, whatever. Uh, and they don't understand, you know, all the things Mike is talking about and like how complicated it really is. And maybe it's not creative, but it's highly technical. And so maybe at some point someone's going to realize they know, or some, our clients have realized, but more will realize like, Hey, we need to outsource this kind of thing. And to be more connected to your question, we sort of, I think, got there organically ourselves as a, as a consulting firm because it was like some, you know, a, a client asks us to help them with something that's kind of connected to email. Maybe it's integration related, maybe it's data flow related or, you know, from interest to lead to now it's a sales call to whatever. Um, and then slowly over time, we're doing everything because we were, we replaced somebody that left. Now they're, they've lost a couple more people, a high turnover in marketing, you know, uh, for a while there, it was less than a year. So turnover was over a hundred percent for a while, uh, right around the pandemic. And, um, I don't, it's lower now, but it's not like that much lower. And, you know, then we're doing EFM because we're running the whole thing. And so the real answer here is what we've seen work super well, and we've gotten more and more efficient with our clients around turning things around and being fast and being more accurate is that an organization focuses on their business. You know, they've got a marketing, you know, director as an example that is in charge of all the consumer marketing. That's all they need because in terms of, you know, getting emails out because then they can just work with us because they're never going to get our developer, our campaign expert, our technical expert. They're not going to be able to hire that and keep them. So leverage us. Same thing with the creative. They're not going to even try to duplicate a creative agency inside their business unless they're Ford Motor Company or something. <laughs> so that we, I, I want organizations to get where some of our clients are, which is like, Hey, we we're, we're experts at marketing, but we don't need to have a whole team under that director to, to do stuff. Cause they're never going to have all of our skills that we have in our consulting firm, nor should they, um, they would be a bloated marketing organization. So it's, it's that it's the same, it's the same exact thing everyone already does with creative. I think we just need to get there with the technical side 
be the leadership, make the decisions of what's going to work for the business. Um, but let us handle, you know, our clients basically say, Hey, I got to get this here and here and here. Thanks. And, and it's over. And then we handle the whole thing and then it goes out, but they made sure that the business got what it needed. They didn't have to worry about the fact that the segment isn't loading right. And we, we should be sending this to 200,000 people. And every time we are about to launch it, it says we're going to send it to five people say something's wrong. And for an organization, John's nephew is going to look at that and go, ah, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And they're either going to send it to five people or they're going to say, Hey, I don't know what to do here. Um, let's spend a week figuring it out. Whereas, in our setup and the way we build that machine, if we have a problem, you know, I, I was, I always reference the fact we use Slack and I always reference when I'm on a call talking about this, that since we started talking, I'm watching our team, our client teams handle an email and it'll be like 80 messages because something will be wrong. And within 60 seconds, they fixed it <laughs> because they have experts in everywhere uh, for the team. So I think, Unless you just and, and I'm sure there's these organizations, I, I would I would argue if someone says that this is the, who they are, but I'm just going to, you know, pretend for a second there is such a thing as an organization that doesn't really need to contact people like <laughs> like it's OK if we reach people sometimes it's OK if we don't. Um, but like there's there's a level you know, not everybody's got to get out a COVID, you know, message immediately, but you still want to contact people in, in a timely and accurate, you know, manner. And so I think everyone at some level needs this kind of machinery. Yeah, and I think, um, so for those that are listening after this episode, I'd encourage you to go back to episode 44, where I talked to Addie, and she echoed a lot of the same points that you made, Raleigh, around what to keep in-house versus what to outsource. And I think the key thing there is that technical expertise, um, like real technical expertise, is hard to find and to be able to pay for and retain internally. And so whereas as a consulting firm, um, that is like, that's our sweet spot. That's who we are recruiting, um, as well as people like Mike, who are the process people, so that you are getting that combination to be able to have that rigor. Whereas things, you know, in my opinion, I would rather bring in-house my creative and content development, because those things are really unique to the business itself. Um, and someone who really knows the business, knows the industry, like having those people in-house, if I'm picking where I'm going to spend my headcount budget, that's where it's going to be. Because those are the people that I need to be fully all in on our business, our industry, our products, et cetera. When it comes to the, how do we get this message out? So how do we communicate with these people, the rigor behind actually getting it done? Those are places where, you know, it's kind of like going to the doctor, like certain things you go to your primary care for, other things you pull in a specialist. And that's where I really see 
the tactical execution of email and even the strategy behind where should we be communicating to whom, to how, how do we segment, all those things that Raleigh hit on, they're very unique skill sets that are you know, unfortunately not in abundance out here. Um, if I look at, you know, I was uh, at a, a, I'd say really key point in my career when marketing automation really became a thing. And if I look at all of those people, you know, we had a, a user group here in Atlanta that was a lot of early adopters. If I look at where all of those people are, um, and this is, you know, small sample size, but there were 12 of us, of the 12 of us, nine of us are now in consulting. Um, and there are three that are still client side. And so, you know, these are the people with close to 20 years experience in how to do email effectively. We've all joined the consulting side because it is a highly technical and highly skilled skill set. Um, you know, the other three have moved into completely different type of marketing roles that are client side. Um, and so that's, you know, really one of the biggest places why I see that this, you know, outsourcing that that flight management um, is really key. Um, to me, it's the difference between flying Delta and flying Spirit. Um, but we won't get on my tangent. Well, you know, I, I, just to take the wedding thing, because, you know, as, as you know, we're where uh, Veronica and I are, are having a ceremony and after party and all this, this summer. And I just, I just brought, brought me to that. I mean, we're, we have, you know, I have a board full of, I don't know, 10 consulting firms. One does food, one does photography, one does, you know, like I could hire them myself and they could work for me for a couple of days. But I mean, really like, I'm going to be able to get that level of person. No, it's not happening. And I think when it comes to specialized things that have nothing to do with the business, I mean, sending out a great email for a, um, you know, a, a manufacturer of, you know, industrial printers, their expertise is not how to technically connect data and get emails out like that. That has nothing to do with their business. I love photography, but I have nothing, no idea what I'm doing. And I'm reminded of that when I talk to my photographer that I hired, right? Like, so <laughs> I think there's, I think there's like, I, I think, uh, well, I think that there is a, a point of just everybody needs to be honest and truthful about it, which is quite often the head of marketing, if they're in a growth driven business, like timeline driven, like private equity, venture capital. And that's a lot of folks that we come in contact with because it's a big part of the, <laughs> a big part of the economy. Uh, they're, they'll just tell you sort of on the side, if as long as it's not in front of other people, like, Hey, we email people. We're not supposed to email. We, we just buy lists. We, you know, I have to send X number of emails so that when we report to the board, we can tell them we sent those emails, whether they made it anywhere or not. I would like to say I care about that. I don't. I just need when we report to the board that we look good. Uh, like we look like we're doing their job, doing our job. We're not going to be here more than two years anyway. So there's a little bit of like truth to like, hey, Raleigh, I get it.
Um, it looks like you're having some audio issues there, but I'll go ahead and, and keep moving forward. Um, I think you muted. Uh, but talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the therapist will give the client some homework. Here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. So Mike, I will start with you. What is your one thing if someone is trying to figure out how they start to put more rigor behind their email programs? What is the first step? And I always try to make it something that, you know, can be done relatively immediately and not necessarily, you know, a six month project. Where do people start? What's your one? Well, being the process guy, I would say take a hard look at at the steps of your email, like start to finish, writing copy, building, uh, looking at the segment, everything like that. I would make sure that you have the all the necessary steps in there. And really, you can kind of branch out and take a deeper dive individually, but I would look holistically at the entire process. Okay, so for everyone listening, um, get someone on your team to actually write out for you what the execution process is so that you can look at it and see where, you know, what is your starting point? So I love that. It's always important to know where we're starting from if we're trying to do better. Raleigh, hopefully we can hear you now. What's your one? Um. I would just say to look at operating budgets and budgets overall and where are you putting your investment and does that actually make sense or are you just doing that because that's what you usually do or, or think you should do maybe just look at it and and see where you where the importance is placed. Awesome. So we got a two for one today. We're going to look at our budgets and we're going to look at our process. Um, and I do think that that is a great place to start. Well, Mike and Raleigh, I've enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Um, Raleigh, I always like to give our guests the opportunity to do a shameless plug. Um, and I'd be remiss if I did not let you do the same. Um, so if anyone listening, uh, is considering they're like, yeah, I need Tegra to just handle this for me. Uh, tell me what does that look like? Well, they can reach out. They'll see a link to me on LinkedIn. They can reach out on LinkedIn to find the time to talk, uh, and we can discuss, you know, where you are and what might make sense for you. So I would just say, find me on LinkedIn and I'm probably the only R-O-L-L-Y uh, that you'll ever see on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. And thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation with Raleigh and Mike. I can't believe we're at the end. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.